This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. We always like to turn the page on one week, start to look forward to the next week, and that's all you can do. If you're a Raider fan, if you're in the silver and black, if you're in that facility there in Henderson, all you can do is start to turn the pages. And I'm sure getting back on the football field is going to be a little bit of therapy for the Raiders. And their next opponent is the Denver Broncos. And uh, to help us break down what to expect when uh, when the Raiders head to Denver is Zach Stevens. He covers the Broncos. He's a Broncos beat reporter at Zach Stevens, DNVR on Twitter. You can check him out. Of course, uh, DNVR underscore Broncos. And uh, Zach, we appreciate your time this afternoon. The Denver Broncos started off red hot 3-0 and and have dropped the last two games. And that's the exact same thing that the Raiders have done. Started off 3-0, and dropped the last two games. So in your opinion, what's been the, the, the biggest reason for the Broncos dropping the last two games? Yeah, and Q, thanks for having me on. Love breaking down this game. And here at Denver, we love that it's Raiders week. Uh, and it seemed like just a couple of weeks ago, this was going to be maybe a 5-0 and clash of the AFC West uh, top teams. And then, of course, both came tumbling back down to earth here. And the real reason is, I mean, everything was going right the first three weeks for the Broncos. They also, at the same time, hadn't played a team with a winning record right. after the first three weeks because they played the Giants, they played the Jaguars, they played the Jets. But on offense, they did everything they needed to do, and Teddy Bridgewater looked great. On defense, they were dominant, just like they're supposed to be, only giving up eight points per game in those first three games, including a shutout. And these past two games, what's been most disappointing is, yes, the offense has really underperformed, only averaging 13 points per game. But it's really been the defense that's been the one that's really let them down. They've been giving up 25 points per game in these past two games. And the biggest strength of the Broncos is their pass defense because, of course, you have Von Miller coming off the edge, uh, and you're supposed to have Bradley Chubb. He's out right now, but you have a good complement of players around Von Miller to rush the passer, and then you have the league's highest-paid secondary along with rookie first-round pick Patrick Sertan. And in the past two weeks, those guys have really let the team down. They gave Lamar Jackson of a 300-yard passing game two weeks ago, which was only his second of his career. And then, of course, last week he right. added another one there. And then they let Ben Roethlisberger find the fountain of youth, and, and, and that was very disappointing. That's yeah, that's that's a uh, that's surprising, you know, because as you said, uh, you know, the Denver Broncos defense, I was giving them uh, a lot of credit because of that defense. And, and Vic Fangio, I'm a big fan of him, even when he was just a defensive coordinator uh, for many years in the NFL. I always thought he would did a heck of a job. But uh, to hear that the, the Broncos defense is what's kind of making them struggle as of late. Uh, like you said, Bradley Chubb is injured. So who else is there besides Vaughn Miller on that defensive line that, you know, the Raiders offensive line needs to be aware of? Well, you have Malik Reed on the other side. And Malik Reed's a guy that has stepped in for Bradley Chubb when he was injured two years ago. He stepped in for Von Miller when he was injured last year. And Malik Reed actually led the team in sacks last year. Despite Bradley Chubb being a Pro Bowl player last year, Malik, Malik Reed led the team in sacks. And he had the best defense play by far in the Steelers game this past week. He had a strip sack on Ben Roethlisberger. So that's someone, while all the attention will be on Von Miller, 
Do not sleep on Malik Reed. And then the inside, guys, the, the, the Broncos have a ton of talent there with Shelby Harris and Draymond Jones in terms of both stopping the run and getting after the pass. But both of those guys have been pretty underwhelming to start the season. You know, They were talking about getting seven to ten sacks each coming into this season. They have one combined right now, mm. so very disappointing. But J- Draymond Jones is a guy where he can light it up in the game, especially in the interior of the offensive line. So that's that's the, the Broncos' formula. It's supposed to be able to have not just Vaughn and Chubb on the outside, but it's supposed to have depth at outside linebacker. And then Draymond Jones, number 93, getting after the quarterback. And then you have to watch for Shelby Harris. He, he leads the league the past couple of seasons and passes defended at the line of scrimmage. Shelby Harris, the former Raider. <laughs> no Raider Nation. <laughs> yeah. Raider Nation hears that name and they're like, yeah, yeah, we know all about Shelby Harris. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a heck of a player as well. And I got to ask about Patrick Sertain. I was a big fan of him he's coming out of Alabama. I knew there was no way that he was going to make it all the way down to 17 so the Raiders can grab him. Didn't think that Denver was going to grab him, but they did. Uh, what has been your early reviews on what you've seen from uh, young Patrick Sertain? Yeah, he's great. And and the Broncos, they passed up on Justin Fields and Mac Jones in order to get him. And I'll tell you what, here in Broncos country, a lot of fans did not agree with that decision. So the pick is still controversial, especially because the Broncos don't have their long-term quarterback. But for the player that Patrick Sertan is, mm-hmm. boy, he, he's a baller. He's everything the Broncos could have expected and more. Not only has he been great on the field, and, and he's arguably been the Broncos' best corner uh, on the field, despite having the highest-paid cornerback room in the NFL. So he's really lived up to that. But he's also playing multiple positions, which is really impressive for a rookie. He's playing outside corner. He's playing nickel. Uh, and, and then they're also throwing in at him in at dime as well. And so that's a guy where we talked about earlier in the season that Patrick Sertan was initially going to line up against the Darren Wallers, the mm. Travis Kelseys. But then the Broncos' secondary got hurt, and that talk got, got kind of put on the back burner. Well, now the Broncos are getting Ronald Darby back this weekend, it's expected. So if they have a full-strength secondary, you may see Patrick Sertan on Darren Waller. And, man, that's not an easy matchup for anyone, let alone a rookie. But that just shows you how much trust Vic Fangio already has in Patrick Sertan. Yeah, no, and it's, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned that. We're talking right now with Zach Stevens covers the Broncos like a glove, and I was going to ask about who who's going to get the assignment of Darren Waller, and so uh, if it is Sertan and he's able to hold down that job, of course, it, you know, it probably opens it up for for other players on the Raiders, uh, that, that offense of the weaponry that they have, and they do have some guys. Uh, how, how does uh, Justice Simmons play into this uh, factor? Because he's a, he's a ball hawk and safety for that Bronco uh, secondary. Yeah, he is, and Justin's actually had a disappointing year this year so far. He's still been a good safety, but he was the league's highest-paid safety this this offseason. They made him the highest-paid safety, and I think another contract has come in since then, so I believe he's the second-highest-paid safety. And one of the things that that he he showed the past couple of years is his playmaking ability, and that hasn't been there this year. Only one interception so far, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Justin Simmons also take in that role of covering Darren Waller, especially if the Broncos don't want to quite turn to Patrick Sertan yet. But here's the thing about covering Darren Waller is it's about slowing him down, and and you know this. Uh, The Raiders love using him, uh, and it's about slowing him down, and the Broncos have been terrible at slowing Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller down, uh, regardless of who the defensive coordinator is, regardless of the personnel that's on the Broncos' side. So I think in the past five games, Darren Waller has averaged like 80 yards per game against the Broncos and close to a touchdown. That, it, it, as long as you try to hold him to 50 yards per game, he's going to get his. 
But then, like you said, the scary thing about the Raiders for this Broncos defense that's really been exposed in the past game the past couple of weeks is now you have the emergence of Henry Ruggs. Uh, you have Hunter Renfro. And then the guys out of the backfield, the Broncos, just as much as they've, as they've struggled against Darren Waller and other tight ends, they've really struggled against guys out of the backfield. And the Raiders, as you know, I've been running the ball very often, but they're using those guys, and they can use those guys in the pass game. Yeah, absolutely. And, Zach, i got to flip over to the offensive side of things. Teddy Bridgewater comes in. Uh, I, I didn't know exactly what he was going to bring to the Broncos. I've never been a guy that's a huge Teddy Bridgewater fan, but from everything I'm hearing, man, this team is really rallying around Teddy B, and he's doing some really good things. What has been so special about him, at least early on in the season for Denver? Yeah, you're 100% right. On the field, the stats bear that out. 70% completion, 236 yards per game, seven total touchdowns, only one interception, uh, over 106 passer rating. The stats are there. But the thing is, and you touched on it, is the leadership that he brings. The Broncos have been lacking leadership at the quarterback position ever since Peyton Manning retired. They've tried to bring in the Joe Flaccos of the world, the experienced guys. They've tried to draft guys. And none of those guys have panned out on the football field or from a leadership standpoint. Teddy Bridgewater instantly came in and and took over this team, which was really important because they say a team has to take on the personality either of their head coach or of the quarterback. Well, the Broncos team hasn't done that since 2016 when Gary Kubiak was here. And now Teddy is taking over that role. So just as important as his play has been, his leadership has been so important. And then in terms of on the field, what's what's been really impressive is his deep ball. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater w- was thought to be this checkdown guy, and certainly he's mastered that with you know the 70% completion. But he's also able to hit the deep balls and the deep passes, and he'll go for those more than people think. So Raiders don't sleep on that. And then also his last, his only interception of the season so far was on fourth down at the end of the Steelers game, just trying oh, to yeah. throw the ball into the end zone, just trying to make a play. Wasn't able to do it, but he has been very, very safe with the ball. You know, and, and him stretching the field is something that Raider fans saw him do last year when he was with Carolina. He, he got him a couple times uh, deep. So, yeah, I remember that, uh, no doubt about it. So, Teddy B is doing some good things. How concerning is it, Zach, that he's been getting sacked quite a bit so far this season? Yeah, it's really concerning. And you, the Broncos saw it two games ago when they played the Ravens, and Teddy was knocked out at halftime with a concussion. Uh, and the Broncos' offensive line, just as much as the past defense has been disappointing, the Broncos' offensive line has been very disappointing. Now, they have had two injuries that they've had to deal with throughout the season. Both of their guards have been in and out of the lineup. They're both supposed to play this weekend for a second straight game, which is good for the Broncos. But even when they've been at full strength, the Broncos' offensive line has not been very good. Garrett Bowles, Paid $17 million, got that contract last year, has not lived up to that contract so far this year. So, And the Raiders' defensive line, everyone out here in Denver is very impressed and surprised at how good their defensive line is. No one out here expected that, really. Uh, and so that, that's a concern for the Broncos this week even though the game's in Denver, is, is making sure that Teddy stays upright. Right, yeah, that's going to be, you know, the, the battle of the trenches, right? It's always down there, down uh, in, in the trenches. Uh, who can get home and, and who can keep their quarterback upright? That's always a huge challenge. And when it comes to the trenches as well, the Denver Broncos, they've always had a really good run game. Really, I, I don't care who's back there running, but uh, of course they got Melvin Gordon, Gordon but Javante Williams is, is intriguing to me. He's a guy that doesn't get a ton of touches, but he does like the most with those touches. Do you expect him to start getting more and more carries, or is this just going to kind of be the seven to eight touch a game type situation with him? 
Well, I'll tell you what, everyone out here is pounding the table for him to get more touches because he is just a bowling ball. And he has one play every single game, whether it's for a gain of 12 or a gain of 40, where he's carrying multiple defenders on his back. He, uh, he had a huge one two weeks ago uh, against uh, the Ravens where he literally carried Mar- Marlon Humphrey for 20 yards on his back and broke five tackles in the process. He is just dynamic as they come. And both of the Broncos running backs are doing a great job. Melvin's averaging five point set or 4.7 yards per carry. Javante's right behind him at 4.6. Yet the Broncos uh, aren't running the ball. They're, they're only averaging the, they're, they're about an average team in terms of the number of times they run the ball, yet their yards per carry is top 10. So that's something that the, that the Broncos really need to do is focus on running the ball more. That's one of the biggest criticisms of this coaching staff is they've been getting away from the run. And even though Teddy's been looking really good, you don't want to put this entire offense on his back. Uh, you, you want to have it be uh, balanced. Right. And with the way Melvin and, Javon, or Melvin and Javante are playing, they deserve it right now. Right. No, you want to have that balanced attack, no doubt. I say it all the time about the Raiders. Even though Derek Carr is playing some really good ball, you want that thing to be balanced. And the Raiders have struggled to run the rock as well, so it should be interesting how that shakes out. And, Zach, uh, I definitely appreciate you. Before I let you go, of course, everyone nationally knows what's going on with the Raiders, all the controversy. Of course, Coach Gruden is no longer the head coach. Rich Basacci is now the interim. Uh, are, are you getting any feedback from any of the players on how they think that the Raiders will come in this uh, this Sunday with all the all the off the field issues that they have going on inside the building yeah you know initially it seems like this is really good news for the broncos because the raiders are going to be dealing with so many other things as you very well know but one of the things that that i I then thought of and then i've got from players as well broncos players is don't lose sight of Derek carr man because the bron because the raiders have Derek carr they are going to be okay from a leadership standpoint that's the guy that can rally him on the field and off the field so that's the one thing I can't get past, man. If they did not have Derek Carr, the Broncos would steamroll the Raiders in this game, I think. But because they have Derek Carr, it, it, it gives the Raiders not, not just a chance to stay in it, but a chance to win it. There you go. There you go, Raider Nation. It's not it's not overconfidence. There's, I know there's a lot of Denver fans that are feeling pretty good about this game, but I think it's going to be a battle like you just mentioned. And, of course, when the Raiders and the Broncos get together, it usually is a heck of a battle. Well, Zach, great stuff, man. Covers the Broncos like a glove. You can find him on Twitter at Zach Stevens, D-N-V-R. Uh, you got anything coming out that Raider fans can kind of take a look at to get a little bit more uh, detail on this Denver Bronco team? Man, I'm doing an in-depth piece this week on just how much the Broncos have fallen in these past two games. And it's probably not going to be a fun piece for Broncos fans to read, but maybe Raiders fans will like it. There you go. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Zach, great stuff, my man. I do appreciate you. Uh, Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll be talking soon. Right on. Thanks, my man. Absolutely. There you go. Zach Stevens does a great job covering the Broncos. Got a piece coming out that Raider Nation, you might get excited to read. Check it out, man. Talk about the way that the Broncos have have, have dropped the last uh, couple games and, you know, give you a little bit more insight on what kind of team you should expect to see uh, the Raiders play on Sunday. So really good stuff right there from Zach Stevens. Definitely appreciate him for that. 317 is the time when we come back. We already had the Dodgers side of things for this game five in the NLDS. How about getting the Giants side of things? My guy, Bonte Hill from 95.7 The Game. He'll join us next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back, Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. 3.20 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Earlier in the show, we talked to Lisa Hernandez. She does a really good job covering the Dodgers like a glove. 
Could just stop there, though. Couldn't talk about Game 5 and just look at the Dodgers side of things. This is a bitter rivalry. Dodgers, Giants, best two records in baseball. Both teams have 109 total wins. Whoever gets the 110 is moving on. It doesn't get any better than this unless it was for the World Series. It's the only way it could get any better than this. But we got to get the Giants side of things, so I had to reach out to my guy, Bonte Hill, from 95.7 The Game, the morning roast from 6 to 10 a.m. every single morning. Bonte, first of all, it's been a minute, man. How you doing, brother? I'm good, Q. How you doing, man? Long time no talk. Yeah, man. You know, they got me out here working, man. They got me in Las Vegas, but they got me working. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I hope you're working. Yeah. I hope you're working, man. It looks like you're having a lot of fun out there. No, Look I am. The timeline. It looks like you're having a ball. No, I am. I am. But you know for me, man, you know work is a ball for me. So that's that's how I get down. But I got to get your thoughts, man. This It doesn't get any better. You heard the breakdown, man. Whoever gets the game 110, whoever wins that 110th game moves on. How exciting yeah. with this rivalry, how exciting has this uh, series been? Oh, it's been unbelievable, man. It's the first time these two teams have met, obviously, in the postseason officially. Um, you've had two shutouts by the Giants. You've had two routes by the Dodgers. Um, you've had some bombs. You had situational baseball. You had a little bit of everything so far in the series. And then we get a game five where a lot of people said, ah, it's just fitting to see game five. Well, not to me, man. It felt like... Yesterday, Anthony DiScofani on the mound in Game Four, not getting two innings from him, man. It just really put a lot of Giants fans in an irritable mood. So, you know, it's been a little bit of everything in the Game Five at Oracle Park. I mean, this is probably the biggest game between these two historic franchises since they moved to the West Coast in 1958. Think about it, man. They haven't met met in the postseason. We've had some big games. You know, you had the Dodgers spoiling the party for the Giants in 1993. You had them doing the same thing in all five. You had the Giants doing the same thing to the Dodgers in 1982 with the Joe Morgan home run. But never in a do-or-die game in the modern era of baseball have we seen this. And you know what? We're going to see a dandy cue. Yeah. Morgan Webb, who's 7-0 at home with a 1.78 ERA at home against Julio Urias, who's got 20 wins under his belt. It'll be fascinating stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's who I wanted to ask you about was Logan Webb. I mean, Giants fans have got to feel pretty confident, even though it's a game five, but it's at home and you got Logan Webb on the mound. I mean, that's that's a recipe for a win right there. It is. It is, you would think. However, <laughs> the bat's got to come alive, man. Right. All right, I mean, Q, come on. You got Gas. He's 0 for 12. You got Darren Ruff without a hit. Solano without a hit. Wilmer Flores without a hit. I mean, it is an absolute joke. Lamont Wade Jr. with one hit. Evan Longoria has two hits. However, he had the big hit in game three with the home run, so we're going to give him a bit of the pass. Look, three for 20 with the runners are scoring position. It's not like the Dodgers are bums, right, Q? Right. I mean, they got the best, they got the best lineup on paper. Right. You know, you got a dynamic pitching staff. They're going to stifle you. But it's just been embarrassing on how the Giants haven't been able to come through. Nine runs in the first four games of the series. I know it's the Dodgers, but... You're not going to win many series doing that. Just think about the last couple games here, man. Five runs in the last 30, 27 innings. Yikes. That's, right. that's a problem for the Giants. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to the regular season, Bonte. How, how surprising is it that the Giants are where they are anyway? Because I know going into the season, the expectation, at least from where I'm looking at, wasn't that the Giants were going to be this good. How did they get to where they are right now? Well, it was funny, man. We started the show, right? And you look at the Giants getting off to a hot start, and people were like, Bonte, you don't believe in this team? I said, I got to wait till June. Mm-hmm. I got to wait till June with this baseball team because I had them fed Q at about 79, 
80 wins. And then, so you know, May 28th happened. On a Friday night where the Giants had lost the first four games against the Dodgers in the season series, and Mike Talkman, who's not even on the roster anymore, makes a hell of a catch in the ninth inning to save the game, uh, sent it to extra innings, Robin Albert Pujols of a home run, and they win that game 8-5, and ended up winning three straight, winning a series down to Dodger Stadium. I said, hold on, okay, <laughs> this team may have something cooking here. And all season long, they found a way, whether it was Lamont Wade Jr. coming through in the clutch. You look at his ninth inning num- numbers. That number 500 in ninth inning alone. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Late night, late night Lamont, which is why he's got the name now. <laughs> They've just done it in a variety of ways. You think about it, 10 players with at least 10 home runs. Um, that's incredible. The pitching staff, which turned out the bullpen, turned out to be the best in business. And now you got this young stud, Camilo Duvall, who's all of a sudden come out of nowhere in the month of September and not a lot of run. They've just done it a different way each night. It hasn't been just one guy, right? It hasn't been a star. You know, you don't have a Fernando Tatis Jr., a Shohei Otani on this baseball team. You just got a bunch of dudes who know how to get it done. And, no, by the way, you get a career year from Brandon Crawford, who hits 24 home runs and drives in 90 RBIs. All of a sudden, you get Buster Posey, who hits about 18 home runs. And we're like, wait a minute, Buster Posey had 18 home runs left in that body? We thought he was cooked. We thought he was lost, you. <laughs> right. We thought he was done. So they've done it in a variety of ways with a lot of different dudes. It just hasn't been one dude every single night. It's been Brendan Belt here, Lamont Wade Jr. here, Darren Ruff there, you know, Donovan Solano here, Tommy LaStella there, Magoria. He gets hurt, comes back, boom, big home run. It's just been a collection, a total team effort by this Giants club this season. There you go, talking right now with Bonte Hill from 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. And, you know, it's the way, it's funny, the way you describe the Giants team, the way that they've gotten it done, that sounds very Bay Area-like, right? It's no big names. It's just, yeah. just go get it done. It's just, and, and look, I'm an A's fan. Everyone knows that. I'm not a Giants guy. And, and uh, th- hey, look, they, they rival in the Bay. I get it. But it's, that sounds like a very Bay Area style right there. Just go get it done. Doesn't matter what the name on the back of the jersey is. It's about the name on the front. No doubt about it, and you bring up the A's. One of the more pivotal series this year was the Bay Bridge series in Oakland where the Giants rallied with nice-inning home runs or late-inning home runs on a Saturday and Sunday to win that series, which sent the A's in a tailspin right. and catapulted the Giants to new heights. So, you know, it's a big thing. You know, we've seen the Niners teams in 2019. Yeah, you had your George Kittle. Yeah, you had your Nick Bosa. But you also had your D Ford. You also had your Michael McGlinchey's where – that's basically a curse word these days around here. Uh, you had your <laughs> Mosters. You right. know, you had Devo Samuel come out of nowhere. So you're right, Q. It is kind of a big thing just to kind of scrap your way to the top and make it happen. So, look, a lot of people are excited. A lot of people are nervous about tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m. when they take on the Dodgers in a do-or-die game. But it gives us something after the Niners – to basically let us down this season, Q. It's been awful when it comes to NFL football. Yeah, yeah. I'm already knowing. I actually just got hit up on our, our text line from our guy Tom. He wanted to ask. Uh, he wanted me to ask your thoughts on uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders with everything that they got going on, and uh, uh, you know, because he, he he misses you out there uh, at 95.7 The Game. <laughs> I, miss, I miss the Raider Nation too, man. I really do, man. I look. They got a good thing going on in Las Vegas. I'm not going to hate on that. I do miss going to the Coliseum and watching some pro football, though. Right. There's nothing like a Raider game. There is nothing like a Raider game. I'm a diehard Niner, and let me tell you, when the Raiders party and tailgate and get ready for a football game, there's nothing like it. And we miss them up here, but just looking at the Gruden situation, look, he had to go. Right. It just, it, it's just, it, it's mind-blowing. Um, 
teams just lost two straight. I couldn't believe they lost to the Chicago Bears. I was watching that game thinking, okay, you get right back on track after a spirited Monday night loss to the Chargers, and now you lose two straight and you're going to Denver country, Bronco country, to take on the Broncos in mile high. And you guys know that will, that's never easy. Right. That's just never easy. So is Josh Jenkins going to be healthy? What's up with the wide receiving core? Is the line going to, you know, the offensive line's got issues here. Where's the defense at? I thought the defense played well enough to win last week. That, it wasn't their fault that the offense scored nine points. So, look, man, I, I, I thought coming into the season that the Raiders were challenged for a wild card spot. Um, I still think that could be the case, but how do they rally after the week they've had, man? Right. It's just, I, I, look, I said this the other day, Q on Twitter. You can tell Tom this as well. I just feel bad for Raider fans. If it's not one thing, it's another thing. Every single season, I've seen it since I started covering the team in 2016, man. Right. It's just, it's wild what happens to the Raider Nation, man. And I just feel, I really feel bad for the fan base. There you go. See, that's love right there from Bonte Hill. Love for Bonte Hill showing showing love to the Raider Nation right there. Bonte has always been the guy. He's been riding. I definitely appreciate you as always. And, hey, before I let you go, man, I did want to get your gut feeling. What's your gut feeling on this NLDS, man? Giants-Dodgers game five. It's at the house. Uh, how, how are you feeling about it? I feel like I'm going to be popping champagne inside the 95-70 Dave Studios Friday morning, man. <laughs> Giants will find a way. They'll find a way. I don't know how. I don't know how. You know, it's going to have to be one of them ugly waves. Maybe they score a couple runs on some wild pitches. Maybe it's some hit and runs. Maybe they shut down the Dodgers. But I feel like the Giants got this man at home, backed by, backed by some great, great fans. And you know, Q, you've been up here in the Bay. Everybody knows about the Bay when you get a playoff game. It gets rocking out here. So yeah. uh, I think the Giants pull it out. They pull out a close one, man. And, and what will be a classic, classic game five between two better rivals, man. Q, Always fun, man. Great hearing your voice. I'm jealous of what you got going on down in Vegas, man. You're doing the damn thing. Hey, man, I appreciate you, man. You got to keep in touch. Come on down here. And, and you should pop some champagne for getting through an interview doing daddy duty as well. So, you know. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> hey, Q, I know you're here a little tomorrow, man. Yeah, all of a sudden, man, she's playing with her toys. I start hollering about sports, and here she comes grabbing a leg, well. grabbing a headphones, chasing me down in the house, man. So I'll throw some that on. I'll throw her a controller, maybe calm her down, man, but it is bottle time. So I appreciate you with the patience, man, and everybody out there in Vegas. Sorry about baby Chaz, man. She wanted to make her presence felt. It's hey, like like uh, like daddy, like like daughter. It's all good. Not a not a problem, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, my man. <laughs> I'll top you. I'll see you soon, man. All right, Doc. There he goes. Vontae Hill right there, 95-7 the game. That was a, he did a heck of a job. I ain't mad at him, man. He did a great job uh, to juggling my questions and juggling daddy duty. Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. That's that's a that's a hustler, right? That's a grinder right there. So shout out to Vontae. You didn't think I was going to ask him about that, huh? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think you were because I was just like, <laughs> we're just going to roll with it. We, just, we yeah, all here. Yeah, we're that's, what, roll with that's it. what we roll with anyway. Absolutely. So I'm not – I'm not mad at that at all. Bonte's a good dude. Always has been a good dude. I definitely appreciate him. That guy's put me on the radio so many times. Uh, it's, it's been great, man. So I definitely want to shout him out. And always been a guest. Anytime that I need him, he's always been, uh, he's always come through like the first of the month like he did right there. 3.32 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come on back. Read some of these text messages. Uh, we might have a minute or two to get a couple calls in. I know that we're really up against it because we got Hondo Carpenter coming up about 3.40, 3.45. But... If you have a couple minutes and you want to get chime in, you want to speak on the show, 702-365-9200, do it now or forever hold your peace. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. In just a couple minutes, we're going to check in with Hondo Carpenter from SI, also from the morning tailgate with Clay Baker. You can check him out on Mondays with Clay. He's going to let us know what he saw at practice and just what he heard from Rich Basaccia, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, Darren Waller, Mike Mayock. There was a lot of folks that got rolled out today in front of the media. I was not there, so definitely going to check in with uh, Hondo Carpenter for a couple minutes, and then we'll pass the sticks on to my guy, Vinny Bonsignor, who was also at the practice. But first, let's go ahead and hustle out to the Rare Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. I know we haven't had a bunch of calls today, but we've had a bunch of guests. Let's go to Seattle and talk to our guy, Trevor. What's on your mind, my man? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Q? I'm good. How you doing? Chilling, man. Chilling. Hey, uh, got to say, I listened to the press conference today. I feel pretty good about how the players are handling it. It's obviously... Uh, a pretty crappy situation, but I think they've been pretty uh, professional about it, so I like to see that. But uh, something that Lincoln Kennedy brought up I thought was kind of interesting is talking about how he thinks that play callers should be up in the booth, and it really got me thinking. Mm-hmm. So is Greg Olson usually up in the booth? No, he's and on the sideline. not, okay. So is he? do you think he'll move up to the booth so he gets that bird-eye view? Because I, I thought that was kind of an interesting take because, mm-hmm. you know, like when you watch on TV, you can see – like, oh, man, Ruggs got behind the coverage there. If you're calling from the sidelines, you might not have that point of view. So I'm just curious uh, what you think is going to happen there. You know, that's a great, great question. I remember when Lincoln said it, said that. That was uh, probably like a week ago or so. Uh, that's when he was talking about the offensive line being shuffled around as well. And he mentioned what Alex Leatherwood, now he needs to take a boxing class after uh, after the, the season's over. But, yeah, and I, I, I found that to be pretty interesting little nugget as well because he said he was up in the booth and he could see everything and that the play caller should be up there because of the, uh, the advantage that he feels like they get. That's a – I mean, that's a – man – Damn good question. Really is. I would like to see him in the booth. Let's put it like that. I would like to see Greg Olson up in the booth. I like the defensive coordinator, and I don't know, maybe just because I'm a defensive guy, I like the defensive coordinator on the sideline. I feel like they can communicate with the coach a little bit better. But when John Gruden was obviously calling the plays, he's going to be on the sideline because he's the head coach. But, yeah, that's interesting, man. I'll have to ask. As a matter of fact, Hondo Carpenter will be a guy that I ask. Uh, we're going to get him in a second. Do we have him? Oh, we have him. Good good deal. We got the thumbs up. Uh, so I'll start that off with uh, with Hondo. And, uh, Hondo, thank you for your time, man. I do appreciate you. As I know you were out at the Intermountain uh, Healthcare Performance Center this afternoon. Long day. A lot of people that you guys talked to. Uh, one of the questions that our guy just asked us was about Greg Olson. Do you think he'll be calling the plays from the booth as opposed to the sideline like Coach Gruden did. Yeah, he'll be up in the booth is what I'm told. Okay. So uh, I, that's where I expect him to be. Obviously, that could change. You know, as practice goes on, he may want to be down there, but uh, I'm told that, they're, that they expect him up in the booth. Okay, all right. Do, wh- how do you prefer? You've been covering the NFL for a long time. How, what, what do you, what's your preference? Do you like the play caller in the booth, or would you like him better on the sideline? I love the play, the offensive guy in the booth, the defensive guy on the field. Um, most defensive guys that I know like to be down there. A lot of the defensive guys are very high energy, mm-hmm. and the players feed off of that, so you want that around. Guys that aren't as high energy, I don't have a problem with being up there, but i got to tell you, when a guy's high energy, you want that around the players. When it's, you know, when it's a fourth and one, the other team's going for it, and they're going ballistic on the other side, that just, it just they feed off of that defensively. 
Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I, I and I like that as well. So uh, that's that's all right by me. But uh, yeah, if Greg Olson is in the in the booth, that'll be interesting to see how the 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 dynamic is and how the play calling is a little bit different. It's going to be different anyway. But it'll just be interesting to see how it shakes out with him in the booth. Now, Hondo, you were there uh, for all of the different press conferences today, and really, I was told that it was going to be Rich Basacci around one ten, and then that was it. And then all of a sudden, Mike Mayock hit you guys at around eleven thirty, and then all multiple players hit you as well. So from Mike Mayock, let's start with the GM. What were your thoughts when you heard what he had to say and the different questions that were asked to him? Uh, how do you feel like he's taking everything, all this transition going on with the silver and black? Well, first of all, I had been tipped off that we were going to hear from more than Rich today. That's why I was there early. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that Mike Mayock was terrific. I thought he said something I was talking to Vinny Bonsignor about when uh, someone asked him about some of John's comments and how black players took it. And he took it right to Carl Nassib. And he said, you know, there's enough guys on this team that the black players have a community, but Carl Nassib was a community of one. Mm, yeah. And regardless of what you think of Carl or what do you think of John? I don't want, I don't want to get into that. Right. For sure. The point is it was a brilliant statement. I, I think I like Mike Mayock personally a lot. I respect him. Um, and I think he showed why I think he's the guy that Mark Davis needs to make. The, he has the title, but Mark Davis now needs to let him, in the absence of John, fill that vacuum and be the leader of this franchise. And I, and I, I, I thought he was great. The way he talked about Rich, he's vouched for Rich. He's tried to get Rich other head coaching jobs. And at the end of the day, I thought Mike Mayock, this was his best moment. Now, let me say this. I'm from a father who has a military background. And my dad used to always say that your crises don't define you, but how you deal with them will. And so I think Mike Mayock at probably the darkest time of his general managership shined. Um, but in all honesty, at the darkest hour of Mark Davis's ownership, he isn't. He's silent. He's not speaking. And if he doesn't want to talk about the John Gruden emails, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to talk about it if I'm him either. And I want to also say he doesn't owe me anything. I'm a, I, I don't like the entitlement mentality of the media. He doesn't owe me anything. But he owes these fans. He's got a lot of fans that have shelled out a ton of money. I was sitting there today listening to players having to answer questions, Mike Mayock having to say, I don't want to speak for Mark. And I was thinking about uh, Jackpot Jenny and her husband, Al, who you and I met at Rockstar last week. Yeah, And He's a retired cop. She's a saleswoman who beat cancer. These are not people with trust funds. And, I mean, these are people that soak $70,000 into two PSLs. You don't think they have a right to hear? You know, you don't think that they have a right to hear him say, okay, in the past I've been more of a hands-off owner, and I'm going to continue to do that, but I'm going to let Mike Mayock take the leadership? That's fine. Just speak. Right. Say something. And I think people need to hear from Mark Davis. And when I watched Max Crosby and Darren Waller and Derek Carr have to field questions, but not Mark Davis, I'm sorry. Now, I'm going to say this. I am a huge Mark Davis guy. I've rewritten a ton about him at Sports, at Sports Illustrated. We've supported him, talked about how great of a job he's done. But to me, in his darkest moment, this didn't define him. And I was disappointed in him. Doesn't mean I don't respect him. Doesn't mean I don't like him. I think it was horrendously disappointing that he put his employees out there, but not him. 
And again, he doesn't owe Hondo Carpenter anything, but I do believe he owes the people that loyally follow this team. They need to hear from their general. I guarantee his dad would have talked. And Mark doesn't have to be Al, but he does have to speak. And I think his silence, uh, I, I personally felt bad for Mike Mayock when I believe it was once, but it may have even been twice when he said, I can't speak for Mark. Well, then, damn, get Mark out here to speak. He's the multimillionaire owner. And I, I think he doted, it, and I don't think he did it. It doesn't mean he's a bad person. doesn't mean he's a bad guy. It means that I disagree with his decision, but I think the fans deserve to hear from him. No, and I, and I saw a lot of fans on Twitter that feel the exact same way. They're saying, "Hey, where's the you know where's the the not the statement, but the you know meeting with the media? Where's the where's the comments from Mark? I've I've seen a lot of people say that and and want to hear from him. And look, that might be coming down the pipeline, but it it would have been a great day to do it uh, today. Well, with- I'm going to tell you this: it may have been coming down the pipeline, but it doesn't matter now when it comes <clears throat> because it's like showing up at a fire after it's out with a bucket of water. I mean, the fire's there. And, th- I mean, he should have spoke before this. He should have spoke the night that John left. and Or he should have spoke the next morning or put a statement out the night John left. Mark Davis will be addressed in the media at 9 a.m. tomorrow or whomever. Right. And so anything now is going to look like, oh, crap, okay, I should say something, or, oh, I wanted to wait. Again, I'm not questioning his character. Right. I'm not saying Mark Davis is a bad man. I think he's done a very good job as an owner. But, again, you define Al Davis – from when the moments he had to fight, you define Al Davis, you know, in those moments, that's where people are defined. And Mark Davis's moment, he was up on the hill or up in his office, but he wasn't out addressing his fans. And let's be frank for a minute. I, I try to, when I do my job, Q, and I know you do a great job of this as well. Uh, when I do my show with these fans and you people call in, I think about you. I thought about Passionate Raider in the boat. I thought about 211 Steel Reserve. I thought about Gangster Raider. All those guys who call in the show, Mitch in, in, in New Jersey. I thought about all of those people today thinking, I bet they'd like to hear from Mark Davis. I bet they'd like him to just say everything's going to be all right. I'd like, I bet they'd like to say, you know what, uh, John did leave a big vacuum. But I really believe in, in Mike Mayock, and he's going to take control. I, I think they would have liked to have heard from you know Busaccia, him talk about Busaccia. I would have think that they would have, he would have, they would have liked to have heard him say, you know, his. But to say nothing to me um, was at the very best um, naive, and at the very worst arrogant. Now I want to believe the best because I think that Mark Davis is a good man, but I think it was sad. Talking right now with Hondo Carpenter. He appears on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker, also Sports Illustrator Raider Maven. Does a great job covering uh, the Raiders like a glove. And I, I did want to ask you about Basaccia before I let you go and pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor. He met with the media today. He had an opening statement. Thought it was really good. We played it earlier on the show. Uh, heard a little bit from him. What were your impressions of him? He's a first-time head coach at any level after a long time in the NFL. Well, one of the things that he did I thought was really cool is he has hearing aids. And there was a time when a question was asked from the back of the room and he couldn't hear it. And he walked off the platform and walked right back, you know, to where the the media was. He goes, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I mean, to me, that's a little statement, but says, okay, I I care about what you have to say. I want to hear you. Um, I had a great conversation, just a private friend conversation with Levi Edwards, who writes for the team and does such a great job. 
And when I got done, I, him and I were talking about, you know, that's one of the things missing in our country anymore is people don't talk anymore. And it's either your side, my side, no side. And, and ours was not anything confrontational. It was just a talk. Right. And, and to me, I thought it was, I've been to so many coaches' first press conferences uh, over my career. I don't even know how many. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I thought his answers were genuine. He got choked up talking about his dad, his five sisters. He talked about being the head of this team. He was very open. But I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a different route. Okay. I have covered sports for decades. Been doing this a long time. And I mentioned earlier in your program that my dad taught his sons that your difficult times will define you. Not the difficulty, but how you handle it. And I didn't come here as a Raider fan. I came here as a journalist. We're, we're not biased. We're just, you know, we don't have a team. We just cover them. Right. And I walked away today from that, those press conferences so incredibly impressed with the gentlemen of the Raiders. I, was, I already was impressed with Mike Mayock, but Busaccia. I was impressed with Darren Waller again as a person, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, uh, the compassion people showed for their teammates, the compassion people showed for John Gruden, and even though nobody said, hey, I agreed with him. And when you walked away from that, I don't care if you're a Raider fan, a Bronco fan, or what you are, we're humans first. To watch Darren Waller talk about grace and everybody wants to cancel John Gruden, but where do we show grace? Where do we let people grow? And he talked about where he's been in his life. Here is a man of color, and I'm going to say this, Q, because quite frankly, when it comes to racism or other issues, you know, uh, there's so many times where white America stays quiet. And I think that as, as me being white and you being black, I'm the one that should bring this up. And watching Darren Waller talk about that, talking about cartoons um, back in the in the olden days when they would depict African Americans with big lips, but him talking about Love and John. I mean, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I tweeted that all my years of covering people, Darren Waller may be one of the finest men I've ever met. Forget football. And so I just want to say this. If you're a Raider fan today, I know that you hate to see your franchise in turmoil, whether you loved or hated Gruden. But you should be pretty damn proud. And as a person who covers this team, I couldn't be more proud to cover another team. You saw a group of men today set aside football, but really demonstrate what being a man is. A man isn't calling people names. A man isn't bullying people. And you saw people who loved John but were not defensive of def- of what he did. You saw people who loved Carl, loved their teammates. And you saw men stand up there and be men. They weren't football players. And I walked out of that room and I tweeted how fortunate I am to be the beat writer for this team covering Raider Nation for these great fans. And, again, a disappointment with Mark but not in his character but I think it was a great day. The only thing that would have made it better is at the very beginning if Mark Davis would have walked in, but he didn't. But I thought it was brilliant. And I thought Darren Waller, to me, if you're not a Darren Waller fan after his performance today, 
then I just think you're you're a person that's so blinded by team loyalty that you can't understand good people because Darren Waller's a heck of a guy. Yeah, he is. He really is, and and I think that that was beautifully said, man. That was that was awesome. Uh, great great breakdown, really is, and that's why I wanted to go to you because I knew you had a lot of stuff. I was following you on Twitter and everything that was going on behind the scenes there, and so uh, yeah, man, great way to break everything down. I really do uh, appreciate it, Hondo, and uh, that that's why you are Hondo. So that's why we call you Uncle Hondo, right? <laughs> so yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, Q. Absolutely appreciate you, my man. We'll talk soon. All right, bye-bye. All right, see you. There he goes, Hondo Carpenter. Really broke it down, Matt. I thought he did a hell of a job. That's that's a good way to bring you what exactly was going on and what the thoughts were and the feelings were in the, the media center there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Uh, I was not there, and so uh, I wanted to make sure I brought someone on that was there, and I knew that Vinny's going to come up in a matter of minutes and be able to bring you some more. So it is our job to not only talk with you and be informative, but also kind of, um, you know, keep you up to speed and paint the picture of everything going on in or, or, or around the team and with the team and everything going on. So uh, many thanks to Hondo for, for that. That was some good stuff right there. Definitely appreciate him. Vinny Bonsignor is coming up next. He's got Lincoln Kennedy as well. Uh, I'm sure he'll be here in studio any second now. Uh, definitely appreciate uh, all the feedback that we've got so far on today's show. A lot of text messages, a lot of good calls. Uh, let's see. I got time to get into probably one more Maybe good text. I just got the thumbs up from DeMont, so that means I'm good to go. Um, let's see. <laughs> How about this one? Q&D on the reel. I need a survivor pick for this week. Here are my three options. Kansas City over the Washington football team. I hate KC. Indy over Texans or Pittsburgh over Seattle. What's your gut telling you? I'm leaving Indy, but they just blew it here uh, this past Monday night. Thanks, players. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. I'll say this. Uh, Russell Wilson ain't playing for Seattle. I'm not picking Seattle. I wouldn't pick them to survive anything. I wouldn't, man. I'm telling you. I'm, Gino! <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm kidding, man. I'm not riding with Gino for anything. Pick Kansas City. Be smart. Uh, Kansas City over the Washington football team or Indy over the Texans. I would say the Indy, Indy over the Texans is more guaranteed because Washington has that good defense, and Kansas City is, I mean, they're not looking that hot. They really aren't. Davis Mills may shock some people. You never know. Uh, but then again, Davis Mills probably won't shock anybody. So, yeah, that probably... You probably want to go with Kansas City. I don't know. That's a tough one. I'll say this. This will be my answer. Don't go with Seattle. <laughs> exactly. But then, like, India's like, I'm going to pick the one bad team that's not as bad as the other right, team. Right. Yeah, I don't like the <laughs> Don't go with Seattle. Don't go with Seattle. Go with my guy, Vinny Bonsignor. He's coming up next in the huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. He'll let you know everything that went on today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He'll bring Lincoln Kennedy along for the ride, and I'm sure Lincoln has a lot of good thoughts that he'll bring as well. So uh, definitely appreciate everyone. Uh, all the feedback from Raider Nation, it's always great. 702-365-9200 in the Salmon Ash text line, 69187. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.